Support for Criminal comes from Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I was sleeping in the bedroom. My wife was next to me. It was, it was dark, and I heard creaking uh, coming up the steps. Uh, but it's an old house, so I didn't really think anything of it. But then it sounded like the door was opening. But I was facing towards the window, so I didn't, didn't really turn over to see what was going on. And then uh, suddenly it felt like this, something sat on the bed right next to me, and the bed actually felt like it pushed down and I felt like someone was leaning against me. Out of the corner of my eyes, through the window, I could see a silhouette of a, of a female figure. But the person really wasn't there, but, if, but it felt like it was there. Then the person, uh, or the ghost, I guess, got up and I could hear the door again creaking and the stairs creaking going down. And then I, was, I freaked out and woke up my wife and basically I could hardly talk and say, I think I saw a ghost. And what did your wife say? Well, she, she asked me, well, was it male or female? I said, female. And she says, oh, yeah, she, she's been around before. So you, so your wife didn't just say you're, you're having bad dreams. She said, oh, yeah, I know, I know her. I've seen her. Yep. She's one of the regulars. Yes, she's one of the regulars. Yes. <laughs> this is Mark Cavanaugh. His wife... Cynthia Cavanaugh grew up in a house at one Lavetta place in Nyack, New York. Her mother and father, Helen and George Ackley, bought the house in the late 60s. Here's Cynthia. Well, when we moved in, it had been vacant for seven years. Absolutely nobody was supposed to live in there. My mom was outside doing something, and two of the neighborhood kids came shortcut from school across the property and she waved at him and, and said hi you live around here and they go oh yeah over there and she goes oh that's nice I, I need to introduce myself to your folks and the older of the girls said you know lady you bought a haunted house don't you and she said no I didn't know I bought a haunted house and her younger brother said oh yes we see them in the windows all the time the ghosts the ghosts. The house was right on the Hudson River, a huge old Victorian, three stories, almost 5,000 square feet. It was in bad shape and needed a lot of repairs. 
But Cynthia's mother said that as soon as she stepped into the front hall, she knew she was home. My my mother, at one point in time when she was doing some um, painting work in the, the downstairs living room area, um, she was in the house by herself. My brothers and my sister and I were at school. My dad was at work, and she was up on a stepladder painting the second room, this particular uh, color, and she, you sometimes got the feeling that somebody was watching you. Well, she did, and she turned around real quick, and there was nothing there. So she went back to painting, and when the feeling came over her again, she made a concerted effort to turn very slowly and make sure she didn't blink and kept her eyes open. And as she turned, she saw this gentleman sitting about six or eight inches off the floor with his legs crossed, and she described his clothes quite, he was in quite unique clothing, more along the lines of colonial times. And she just made a point, like I said, not to blink, not to close her eyes, and she looked at him and said, I hope you like the color. And he nodded once and then disappeared. Cynthia's mother, Helen, wrote that he was solid-looking, with apple cheeks. She wrote, No, I wasn't drinking that day. No, the paint fumes hadn't got to me. No, I don't know why I saw him then, and have never seen him since. But I do know that he seemed happy to be there. Cynthia remembers that her mother wasn't afraid and didn't want her four kids to be either. She wrote, I never got anything but good vibes. We started the school year about a month into regular classes, uh, all four of us. Um, My brother was in junior high, I was in high school, I was a freshman in high school, and then my younger brother and sister were in elementary school. And about the third week, the bed would start shaking about 10 or 15 minutes before I needed to get up. Like, you know, maybe you should eat breakfast before you go. But Then come December, when Christmas break rolled around, my mom goes, well, why are you up so early? And I said, because my bed won't stop shaking and there's no reason to stay in bed if it keeps shaking every two or three minutes. And she goes, what do you mean your bed's shaking? I go, my bed keeps shaking. So she goes, oh, okay. This is what your dad had laid out for us to do today. Let's get working. And we didn't talk anything about the rest of the day about it until it was time for us to go to bed that night. And my mom said, Cindy, when you go to bed tonight, tell the ghosts it's a school holiday. You don't have to get up so early. Let's see what happens in the morning. And my brother, who was standing there with me, said, oh, I'll try it too. And we both kind of looked at each other like, you got the same thing going on? And sure enough, I went to bed that night, got ready, got in bed just before I turned on the light going, just so you know, I don't have to go to school in the morning. It's Christmas (laughs) holiday. (laughs) And I got to sleep in about an hour, an hour and a half. Tell me about some of the other things that you and your family experienced. Well, I was staying up late like most high schoolers do. And everybody else had gone to bed. And as I'm getting ready to go into my bedroom, I look at into my room 
And there's a woman in a white dress sitting on the bed, looking towards where my mirror for my dresser was, and she was brushing her hair. She had long blonde hair, kind of wavy, very slender looking, and you know, she, she looked very solid at the time. And when she turned to look at me, she had a very pleasant face um, and didn't seem at all upset that I had caught her sitting there on my bed brushing her hair. And she looked at me and I said, excuse me, and went back into the TV room for another 10 or 15 minutes before I could go back in to go to bed. Did you think that she could see you? Was it was it clear that she was respond? Yes, because yes, when I, I stood there in the doorway and said, excuse me, she kind of nodded her head a little bit, then turned back to the mirror and I left. So, so was the sense kind of that you were saying, excuse me, you're in my room, and her, she was saying, well, actually, you know, this is my room. I'll, I'll be done when I'm done. Basically, yes. <laughs> um, would you all talk about this at breakfast in the morning? Was the whole family in on this, that things were happening, and would you all sit around and tell, oh, I, well, I saw that lady last night, or I saw that guy? Would you talk about it? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes we did. And my dad was always very interested when people would come over to visit out-of-towners and uh, family that would stay for two or three days. He'd, at breakfast time, he'd go, well, did anything interesting happen last night? And sometimes there were, were stories. As some of them were like, oh yeah, I was going to go to bed and I heard talking down in the TV room. So I went down to to see if the kids were still up and there was nobody there. Or um, one of my other cousins, uh, grown cousins, uh, she was saying that one night she went to bed and she said, I closed my eyes, pulled the covers up, said, good night. And the next thing I know, somebody's sitting on my feet. So I just kept my eyes closed and said, good night. Cynthia's mother started collecting the stories they told at the breakfast table. Cynthia said her mother would write down little notes. When her mother heard that Reader's Digest was looking for unusual human interest stories, Helen Ackley decided to submit. Her essay was published in May of 1977 with the headline, Our Haunted House on the Hudson. Helen Ackley wrote... There are always little incidents to mull over in a house like ours. She wrote about footsteps, doors opening for no reason, and the sudden disappearance of a ham sandwich. She wrote, We've come to savor these happenings. Now we wonder if the time comes for us to move again. Is there any way we can take our other worldly friends with us? More than a decade later, Helen Ackley did decide to move and to sell one Lavetta place. It didn't go as planned. The house became the center of a case that's still widely taught in law schools today. It's referred to as the Ghostbusters ruling. The judicial opinion read, as a matter of law, the house is haunted. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. By the late 80s, Cynthia and her siblings had grown up and were starting their own lives. 
Cynthia's father had died, and her mother Helen was worried about keeping up such a big house by herself. The property taxes were getting too high, and she was ready to move somewhere warm. So she put one Levetta place on the market. My name is Richard Ellis. I'm the broker owner of Ellis Sotheby's International Realty. I've been a real estate broker for 35 years, and I was the listing agent for one Lavetta place in Nyack. And, and what did you know about the house? So we knew that the owner, Mrs. Ackley, uh, was a lovely woman, very eccentric, a real kind of colorful character, and she would talk to us about her ghosts all the time. So it was no shock when, uh, when, um, when this all came up. Do you often have clients uh, talking to you about ghosts in their homes? No, but periodically uh, I have clients who are buyers who uh, might ask if there's a ghost. And, and I would say after all these years of experience, maybe that's... Um, three to five percent of, uh, of the buying public might ask about that. Cynthia says a young couple from New York City started looking at the house. Patrice and Jeff Stambovsky were expecting their first child and wanted to move to the suburbs to start their family. They viewed it more than two or three times, I believe, kept coming back and coming back. So I was very, very pleased when, uh, when she said, yeah, we've got a, a deal going. And you thought it was all set and everything was going to work out? Yes. Yes. This was uh, considered luxury real estate, even though it was selling for, I think, under 800000 Um And we were so thrilled when the buyer came along. We were like, uh, you know, let's, let's get the contract. Did you tell them about the ghosts that the owner spoke of? So there was another agent in my real estate office that uh, was working with the Stamboskis, and uh, she did not disclose anything. We all laughed about the ghosts in the office that Mrs. Ackley thought she had a ghost. So no, it was not disclosed to them. The Stambovskis made an offer, $650,000. They put down $32,500. It was 1989. This is Lior Strahilovitz, law professor at the University of Chicago. A few days after the Stambovskis are calling around to different contractors to try to get work done on the house once, once they closed. And one of the people they talked to says, wait, which house did you buy again? And they provide the address and uh, the contractor says, oh, you bought the haunted house. Well, this was the first that the Stambovskis had heard about the, the house being haunted or having a reputation in the community of being haunted. And uh, they decided that they didn't want to go forward uh, with, with the deal uh, because had they known about this, they wouldn't have bought the house. So they tried to pull out of it? Yes. So they uh, requested that the athletes, the sellers, uh, refund their money. And uh, the Ackleys uh, refused to do so. Uh, so uh, the Stambovskis felt like they had no choice but to go to court. Jeff Stambovsky sued Helen Ackley, arguing that all of Helen Ackley's ghost stories, which he said he had not known about before signing the contract, threatened the house's property value. 
the court dismissed the complaint, noting that Helen Ackley did not have a duty to tell the Stambovskys about any ghosts. New York had long applied the rule of caveat emptor. Caveat emptor is the Latin phrase that means let the buyer beware. And usually that means if you're trying to buy something and uh, there were questions that you didn't ask that maybe you should have asked, well, that's on you, the buyer, not on the seller. The seller's under no obligation uh, to disclose uh, anything about uh, about the real estate. Uh, the seller can't actively conceal problems with the real estate, but so long as the seller uh, isn't making affirmative misstatements, then uh, if there's any problems that are subsequently discovered with the property, uh, that's, that's on the buyer, that's not on the seller. Jeff Stambovsky appealed the decision. The New York uh, Supreme Court, the appellate court, decides that notwithstanding that rule of caveat emptor, uh, the Stambovsky should be let out of the let out of the contract, should be able to rescind. The appellate court found that it was only fair for the doctrine of caveat emptor to be set aside in this case. In most buyer beware cases, the defect is physical, like a leaking roof, and a diligent buyer could be expected to discover it during inspection. But this case was different. You can't inspect a house for ghosts. And it was 1989, so you couldn't Google the house and find Helen Ackley's article in Reader's Digest or see that the home was included in a ghost tour of Nyack. As one judge wrote, a very practical problem arises with respect to the discovery of a paranormal phenomenon. He went on to write, quote, Who are you going to call? as a title song to the movie Ghostbusters asks. You know, it's, it's fairly common for there to be a, a, a leaky roof, maybe that the seller knew about and that the buyer's inspection didn't recover. It's fairly common for there to be termites infesting a property that the buyer only discovers after moving in. And then you get into a big dispute of did the sellers know about this before they sold or were the sellers uh, unaware. That's kind of your garden variety real estate litigation. Uh, the ghost case, there's only one ghost case. The judge wrote that by talking and writing about the ghosts in her home, Helen Ackley, quote, fostered the home's reputation in the community. He described Helen Ackley's, quote, promotional efforts. You know, the court says, as a matter of law, the house is haunted. Well, that's silly. As a matter of law, there's no such thing as ghosts. But what the court means when it says, as a matter of law, the house is haunted, is, hey, you know, Ackley, you're the ones who created this problem with your house. And you told the whole world about it. Everyone except for the Sambovskis, for whom that would have been, you know, highly relevant uh, information. So when the court says, you know, as a matter of law, the house is haunted, they don't really mean that literally. But they do mean, you know, that you owe a duty to a buyer that is at least as strong as the duty you've taken upon yourself to, you know, inform and entertain the general public. The judge also made one additional point. If Helen Ackley believed there were ghosts in the house, then she was trying to sell a house that was occupied. 
thanks to Progressive for their support. While you're listening to the show, maybe you're also doing something else. Driving, dishes, folding laundry. I listen when I go on walks. If you're not currently driving a car, you could also be getting an auto quote from Progressive Insurance. Save money right now from your phone. Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Discounts for having multiple vehicles on your policy, being a homeowner, and more. Progressive will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year, so you're protected no matter what. You can get a quote for your car insurance at Progressive.com to join over the 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Support for Criminal comes from Factor. After a long day at work, sometimes the most convenient dinner option is ordering takeout. But if you make a habit of it, it can get pricey. Factor offers restaurant-quality, ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your doorstep. Factor's meals are both nutritious and tasty, and you can choose from more than 35 different options weekly. They have a variety of meal types to fit your needs, too, like keto, calorie-smart, vegan, and veggie, and more, with plenty of delicious add-ons also. I've tried Factor meals myself. Lately, I've enjoyed their shredded chicken taco bowl and Thai-roasted vegetable green curry. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. You can also pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash Phoebe50 and use code Phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next box. That's code Phoebe50 at factormeals.com slash Phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Jeff Stambovsky and Helen Ackley settled out of court. The Stambovskys got half of their money back and were let out of the contract. We reached out to them and spoke with Patrice Stambovsky. She said that at the time, she was worried about what it would be like for her child to grow up in a house that everyone thought was haunted. She said, I didn't want to be in the house where there were other kids that said, oh, you live in the haunted house. Law professor Lior Strahilovitz has taught this case for years and was once able to speak with Jeff Stambovsky. Jeff Stambovsky says he does not believe in ghosts, uh, but he then went on to say, I have a master's in business administration from the University of Chicago, and so while I don't believe in ghosts, I do believe that other people believe in ghosts. So he was thinking about, well, I'm buying this really expensive asset, And if it turns out that the asset I'm getting is worth less than what I thought I was buying because of the superstitions of others, then that's not an asset I really want. Something is worth whatever someone else is willing to pay for it. And uh, he doesn't believe in ghosts, but he does believe in markets. And where uh, fear of ghosts or superstitions are influencing what people are willing to pay for things in markets, And he kind of does believe in ghosts in a roundabout sort of way. 
The standard real estate adage is location, location, location. But in my profession, the better motto is perception, perception, perception. Even though the property physically is fine, people are feeling uh, souls. We we have perceptions. And if the perception is negative, uh, whether it be paranormal activity or crime scene stigma or what have you, that very much translates into the market's response to that property. So it's kind of mind, body, and soul. And yes, there are physical elements of real estate, but there are also emotional elements, and they very much have an effect on the value. Randall Bell is a specialist in real estate damage economics. He consulted on the property where 39 members of the Heaven's Gate cult died by suicide in 1997. He also consulted on Nicole Brown Simpson's condo and one of the sites of the Manson family murders. Part of his work is evaluating how the psychological stigma attached to these properties affects their value. The Stamboski case is famous because it really laid the groundwork that this issue of stigma or risk is legitimate, at least in the worldview of the courts. And this case is still cited in law school textbooks. Stamboski and Reed versus King, which is a similar case in California, are cited uh, almost daily in this type of work. They, they are very foundational uh, in terms of legitimizing or validating that this is a very real issue. Tell me about Reed versus King. Reed versus King was a case in Northern California where very sadly an ex-husband came along and murdered his uh, ex-wife and the children in a small house uh, in a rural area near uh, Reno, Nevada. And the seller sold the house and failed to disclose that matter to the new buyer. The buyer found out. And in fact, uh, the seller had asked the neighbors to keep it quiet. The neighbors didn't feel that that was right. And when the buyer found out, they were, uh, understandably, they were very upset and they filed a lawsuit successfully. As a result of Reed versus King, the disclosure laws in California have become strict. If a death occurred in a house in California within three years, the seller has to disclose it. But disclosure laws vary state by state. Randall Bell says about 50% of states are still buyer beware. In many cases, you have to explicitly ask, has someone died here? In one case he worked on, a woman named Janet Milliken sold her house in California after her husband died there, and she had to disclose that. She then moved her family to Pennsylvania and bought a house. She later learned that two violent deaths had recently occurred in the house. She and her children reported strange and unsettling experiences, noises, footsteps, a feeling that someone else was there. Janet Milliken learned that the seller had intentionally kept her from finding out about the violent deaths. She sued, but the court sided with the seller. She appealed, and the court sided with the seller again. The judicial opinion read, If psychological defects must be disclosed, then we are not far from requiring sellers to reveal that a next-door neighbor is loud and obnoxious, or, on some days, you can smell a nearby sewage plant. Janet Milliken appealed again, and the court sided with the seller again. This time, 
the judicial opinion made the point that some graphic events, having matured into historical curiosities, may even increase the value of the property. The realtor for one Lavetta place, Richard Ellis, also brought this up. Uh, my uh, point of view is that uh, the publicity about the ghost is kind of a positive thing. And if I were listing the property now, I'd probably uh, make some note of that. Because I think most people don't believe in ghosts, and it might even attract some people to, to the property. There's some evidence that, um, uh, that once the, the Acklingholm um, got this notoriety, that that became a selling point. Law professor Lior Strahilovitz. Um, so I think, you know, sort of Kresge, the paranormal uh, celebrity of New York, you know, made noise about trying to buy the home or have seances in the home. And uh, one of the things that Jeff Stambowski told me is his understanding was that uh, after the appellate court handed down its decision, all of a sudden there were a lot of people who uh, wanted to buy the house, but only if it was haunted. Well, maybe all of a sudden, maybe it does materially affect the value of the home, but maybe it raises it materially rather than lowering it materially as the, as the Stambovskis have feared. One Lavetta place has changed hands several times. None of its residents have reported seeing any ghosts. The house is currently for sale. The list price is $1.9 million. After she sold one Lavetta place, Helen Ackley moved to Florida, where she lived until she passed away in 2003. Her memorial service was back in Nyack, and the reception was held just across the street from one Lavetta place. During the reception, one of the guests took a picture of the old house. Cynthia, Helen's daughter, says that when you look closely at the picture, you can see people standing at the windows looking out at Helen Ackley's reception. You know, your mother lived in that house for a long time. I wonder, did you ever, did she ever think about the fact that maybe when she died, she'd just go right back to the house like all those other people? I think so. I think she was hoping she did. Of course, she always wanted to come back as an overfed, fluffy house cat, so I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that she said if reincarnation is real that's what i want to come back as but <laughs> well uh, maybe she's she's sitting there with that blonde woman who you used to see yeah exactly it doesn't sound like a bad place to spend your eternity it sounds like a pretty house by the hudson oh it is it's a very pretty house and it's got a lot of great memories from myself and and even my kids and my brothers and my sister so Do you ever miss the ghosts? Actually, sometimes I do. I did a lot more when my husband was traveling a lot after my kids moved out of our house here. It's like, I I sometimes wish this house had more occupants in it. (laughs) But um, that's one reason my mother said that she could always, she, she never, after my father died, she was in the house for a good 12 years after he passed away. And she said she never felt alone or lonely in the house. She always felt like there was something very comforting and somebody there. 
Criminal is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Susanna Robertson is our assistant producer. Audio mix by Rob Byers. Special thanks to Hilary Sylvia. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of Criminal. You can see them at thisiscriminal.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Criminal Show. Criminal is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. And if you didn't know, we have a new show. It's called Phoebe Reads a Mystery, and every day I read you a chapter of a famous mystery novel. This month, we're reading Dracula. You can learn more in the show notes or just by searching Phoebe Reads a Mystery. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. Thanks to Progressive for their support. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.